Welcome to Real Talk with Real People, a candid conversation with Dr. Caroline Bethia Jones. I am your host. This is the podcast that started it all, and I am happy to be back. And my guest tonight is Dr. Valenta Ward Gravely. Dr. Ward is a licensed speech language pathologist, an audiologist, and professional clinical counselor in Ohio with over 20 years of professional work experience. And tonight, she and I are going to have a candid conversation, and it is my privilege and my honor to have her here today. And I want to say thank you to my listeners. Thank you for tuning in tonight, and thank you for listening. And Dr. Ward Gravely, welcome to the show. How are you? Thank you, Dr. Bathia Jones. <laughs> I am absolutely wonderful. Oh, it's so good to see you again. I know it's, it's been a minute. I miss the time that we, we spent together and, and when yeah. we were doing our thing. So it's always good when we can come together. We say that every time we come together. That is That's good right. to come together. It is always a good thing. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, so welcome to the show. And so why don't you tell us in your own words, tell us about yourself. I, I ask for bios and everybody <laughs> gives me bios, but the truth of the matter is bios do not really tell a lot about individuals. Individuals tell a lot about themselves. And this is the reason why I have candid conversations because that is how you get to know people just to have a conversation with them. Yeah. So I want to give you an opportunity to tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, well, um, I've been on this journey for quite a long time. Um, let's see, my family migrated to uh, Cleveland, Ohio uh, during the Great Migration, um, uh, late 40s, early 50s, and from, from the state of Georgia. Oh, okay, okay. So I have been here ever since. Wow, that's, that's <laughs> a long time. I was two years old, as a matter of fact. Yes, it is. Right? Yeah, that's a long time to, to be mm -hmm. in one. Well, I, I got a nerve. Like I've been in New Jersey all my life, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, let's see. High school, I, I never really thought that I would go to college okay. um, until I was actually in high school and the um, um, senior counselor was, you know, why not? Why wouldn't you go to college? Well, a lot of people didn't, so why right. not? Right. Exactly. I, I just didn't think that um, I um, had the skill, the ability to be successful. Uh, really? Because the what you chose, the field you chose. I, I mean, I'm looking at this and I'm saying, wow, she really smart. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I never really felt that way. I, I knew that I was a hard worker. Mm. And um, I knew that um, education was important. Yes. It was important to my parents. Um, it was important in our family. Yeah. Um, yeah. I am the first of my four siblings. I have one younger sibling. I'm the first of my four siblings to um, obtain a four-year uh, college degree or a, a college degree. Yeah. Um, and so that was a pretty big thing. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and you went on. Obviously, you enjoyed what you were doing because you went on and got your doctorate. Um, I want I wanted to ask you a question because what what is an audio audio um audiologist? Yes. What is an what is that? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, well, first, let me just start with um, when I went away to college, I. I wanted to, I thought I wanted to be a physical therapist, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because I knew what that was. Yeah. They, you help people work, walk better, yeah. um, move their bodies better. And I went to the Ohio State University. And um, of course, one of the things that they have you do is these observations and you see what people are doing. And my observations were in the burn unit. And fast forward a, a lot of years, um, you know, with a, a recent experience that was helpful. But um, I really couldn't stomach seeing the burn patients in yeah. the whirlpools with that, the whole process of uh, removing the dead skin, et cetera. So anyway, I, when I transferred to Cleveland State University, came back home and transferred to Cleveland State University. Oh, while, while at Ohio State, I met uh, a wonderful young lady, um, young. We were all young at that time. Uh, she was a speech language pathology major, and um, she was African-American, and she was a, a, a resident advisor in my dorm. And um, of course, Back then, that was extremely rare. Oh, okay. um, so yeah. she made quite an impression on all of uh, the African-American girls in the dorm. And we spent a lot of time in her room. And um, I became interested in what she was doing and the work that she talked about uh, working with uh, children. And so when I returned to Cleveland, I... Um, enrolled in Cleveland State University and decided that um, I wanted to explore that area. Well, I didn't have, I had never heard of an audiologist. Right. (laughs) And um, I haven't heard of it in this time. So (laughs) that makes us even. There we go. Welcome to the club. So uh, at Cleveland State University, I met um, a wonderful man who was a speech language pathologist, and he was African-American. And it was awesome, you know, to have met these two wonderful people, um, Dr. Howard A. Mims, uh, who was married to A. Grace Lee Mims, who is the aunt of Spike Lee. Okay. Um, but um, that's how I became interested in audiology because Dr. Mim says, well, how do you know you want to be a speech pathologist? I said, well, because it looked like it was interesting and fun. He says, well, do you know anything about audiology? I said, no, I don't. Never heard of it before. And mm-hmm. he said, well, I, need, I want you to take this class, this introductory class. And when I took the class, it was um, very uh, intriguing. Audiology is the study of hearing and sound. Okay. And... Um, we work with, if you've ever had your hearing tested by mm-hmm. a professional, it was most likely an audiologist. Um, audiologists also um, work with oral and auditory rehabilitation for individuals who have hearing impairment. And um, we also fit hearing aids. 
Oh, okay. You work hand in hand with um, the speech um, pathologist. All of absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So all of it is <laughs> comes together. So that makes absolutely. sense. Absolutely. Now right. you explained it. It makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So and the rest is history. Oh, until I um. Well, go ahead. I, I... No, until you what? I want to know uh, what until you <laughs> did what you what you do. <laughs> so you know. So now you the. Uh, the, the next thing I did, well, fast forward a few years, but I, um, because I was um, dually certified and dually licensed in audiology and speech language pathology, which is quite rare, um, I opened a private practice where um, okay. I provided both of those services. And um, during the time that I was providing those services, and I had a, a staff actually of uh, 20 employees at that time, and um, so many of our children um, came from families that had needs that went well beyond their speech and language yeah. um, challenges, their hearing impairment. The families needed help. The yeah. mothers needed help. The fathers needed to figure out what their place was. Um, yeah. And I decided to embark on this journey to become a counselor. <laughs> and, uh, so that uh, took me to Kent State University, okay. um, where I obtained a master's degree. And and along and during that time, I also worked on my doctorate in audiology, which I obtained. Okay. Um, yeah. Well, I'm I'm glad you didn't stop at at that. I'm glad <laughs> that you went on to tell us the rest of it because the rest of it was just as exciting as um, the first part of it. So you are. Um, you work in the, in the, um, in a school environment. Um, cause that's how I actually met you. I met you at a conference, a few conferences. Mm -hmm. We were mm -hmm. on the same committee, right. um, the committee, um, that we both were a part of was a social and racial justice, um, um, committee. We were co-conspirators and we were on a transformational journey for racial and social justice. And we uh, did a lot of work in, in that field together. Um, that's how I got to know you. That's how I met you. I met you um, um, in Washington, I believe, first. Was it? Were you Were you in? Yeah, that was our. Because I, sure. I didn't. We, I didn't we go traveled all over the I country. Know, but I didn't go to Chicago. And I think Chicago was the first place you landed. Right. Exactly. And um, I did not go to Chicago because I didn't understand how this thing worked. Right. And, and right. Um, I thought I had to pay to go to Chicago. And I was like, I ain't got no money to go to Chicago. So I'm not going. I didn't know that they took care of everything. All of our expenses. Yes. And if I would have, <laughs> I would have been in Chicago with you. But it wasn't until after the fact that I realized, hey, wait a minute. How am I supposed to go to all these places that they want me to go to? I didn't realize that they actually took care of everything. And the day I'm talking about is, is obviously we're talking about the, um, the NEA National Education mm -hmm. Association. So that's how I met you through the National right. Education Association. Yes. And um, so I, I wanted us to, to have a candid conversation about our experiences as a co-conspirator for um, racial and social justice, because it's very important in the school systems these days. It seems to be what is happening, what is going on. I'm still um, involved. I'm trying to get more involved. I know you're still involved. Yes. So um, let's let's talk about that for a little bit. Well, how about if um, what I'd like to do is start off 
with a definition because I'm not sure. I, I had no idea what a co-conspirator was when we started on this journey. Absolutely. It certainly was a journey. So Absolutely, just, I agree. I'm going to, yes, I'm going to read the definition of a co-conspirator. A co-conspirator is someone who is compelled to take action against racism and oppression regardless of the consequences. A co-conspirator is unapologetically anti-racist and committed to dismantling the system of white supremacy, culture, and the benefits they receive from it. Yes, yes. And we definitely got a lot of that training. It was, Absolutely. I don't know about you, but when I, when I agreed to be a part of the co-conspirators, like you, I didn't know exactly what it was that I was signing up for. I was already part of um, um, a social um, justice committee, and I was part of the healers. Yes. Okay. I, was, um, I was going to be learning uh, restorative justice and, and also the healing process, not just for the students, but also for, for teachers as well. And when the opportunity came to be a part of the co-conspirators, I really wanted to be a part of it. And so I signed on. But like you, I didn't really have a great understanding of what I was in store for. And I literally got a whole lot from that. What about yeah, you? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So uh, some of the things that... Um, uh, we were charged with doing was being committed to listening, first of all. Mm -hmm. Listening. It sounds so simple. Yeah. But we are, as human beings, we are very good at talking. But listening is something that we have to work very hard at. Yes. We were also committed to learning. Yeah. And learning any and everything there is to know about um, this thing called um, racial and social justice. Yeah. And some of the definitions that um, I particularly learned, I, I, I found myself writing down a whole lot of stuff. There was a whole lot like anti-blackness and, um, you know, uh, white supremacy, the real meaning of what it means. And, when I went through the training, I learned that I had the wrong idea about white supremacy. Yeah. And I am better for it now today, having gone through the training with a better understanding of what it is. So I'm going to give you the honors of explaining what the actual true meaning of white supremacy culture is because it's not a person, place, or thing per se. It's a culture. It is a it is a culture, and it uh, we are all <laughs> a part of that culture, and we have been indoctrinated in. Now, Afri as African Americans or Black people in America, um, we are not racist, but we are biased. In yeah. order to be racist, you have to have that uh, element or that component of power. Power, yes. And right. being in charge, making the rules that the yeah. society 
lives by. Um, but we are biased and we do have prejudices for mm -hmm. sure. The white supremacy culture um, puts forth, not in word necessarily, but sometimes in word, but certainly in deed, that um, to be white is to be in charge, to have the power, to make the decisions, to determine what is right and what is wrong, and to determine who is right and who is wrong and to establish that hierarchy yeah. of um, racial and ethnic uh, priorities. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. How did you feel when you were going through the training? Some of the um, workshops were quite intense. It was, it was um, very challenging. I, I, I felt that I grew a lot. Me too. Right? One of the first things that we had to do was to commit to making daily choices, right? And taking steps to eliminate racism and oppression, right? So yeah. when we see it, we call it out. Yeah. Um, yeah. But when we experience it, we challenge it. Yeah. And I was doing that. And here's what I discovered when I was going through that training and trying to put that training to practice, what I discovered is that things changed in my life. And I'm not, I should say things changed in my life in regards to my employment in the school that I was at. Oh, okay. You know, um, predominantly white school. Um, I did take notice of a lot of things and I did call a lot of things out. And I noticed that there was definitely a change. And once you become conscious of the, the systems that have been put in place to, to keep black and brown children and people from achieving. And when you do call it out, you do take notice of the change surrounding you um, in the last couple of years. Cause we've, it's been a couple of years. I think that we were involved in, and now not involved. So I think it's all in all, it's been a couple of years and there's, and there's been quite a change in my environment after getting involved with this. That's awesome. That's amazing. Wow. But I'm not so sure it's always, it's all for the better. Okay. Because, because you, you're seen differently. And if you're seen differently, you're treated differently. Yes. Even, even if it's a subconscious treatment. Mm -hmm. Right, right, right. So you don't know if everyone is benefiting from the work I, that you're doing. I you know that. I don't know. That's, right. I guess that's the question. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. So I'm, I'm asking you the same question. I know you're retired, but um, do you think that there was a benefit? Um, for you? Did you see a benefit? Well, um, my the benefit for me, my work continues because I am on the um, Ohio Education Association mm -hmm. um, Racial and Social Justice Committee for Retired Individuals. 
Okay. And um, having joined the transformational journey um, for co-conspirators through the NEA, I made a commitment that I would fight for racial justice, right? Mm -hmm. And so, um, but I'll have to say, had I even had I not made that commitment, I would um, have taken up the mantle to um, fight for uh, racial justice for my grandchildren when they, my twin grandsons, when um, they experienced inequity in their um, supposedly progressive um, school district um, where they attend school. Yeah. Um, but I called it out, um, went up to uh, the as high as the superintendent, and most recently met with the president of the school board mm -hmm. um, and shared um, experiences. Um, and, and one of the things that I'll say that I learned from our journey was that um, it's important for us to say what we need to say. And it's also important for us to say it in a manner in which others can understand it, where others can hear us. I don't want anyone to shut down when I'm sharing this message that is so, so important. So I need to learn. I had to learn how to um, monitor my tone, monitor my the intonation or loudness of my voice. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, some of my sassiness, I had to like bring it down a little bit because I wanted them to hear me more than see me. You know, I'm glad you, I'm glad you said that because there is this thing that we as black women um, have to deal with um, consistently. And it's in the way we move. Yes. And the way we move is not always accepted by everybody. The dominant culture in particular. Yes. Absolutely. Because a strong black woman is threatening. Yes. And we always get pulled into the stereotypes of being an angry black woman or right. being too aggressive. Mm -hmm. And and mm -hmm. so I, I wonder though. I wonder, do you do you think it's necessary for us as black women to tone down who we are in order for us to be seen differently? So my my concern is not with how I'm seen. My concern is that I am heard. Okay. And I want to be heard. So you think that I have not lost my sassiness. Okay. However, when I am interacting with someone of the dominant culture, for example, the superintendent of the school district, the president of the school board, um, I am, uh, I am so aware of the fact that, um, 
moving my head a certain way, using my hands, putting my one hand or two hands on my hips. I know that my message is going to get lost in their observation of my body, right? And my goal is to have a clear message that they can understand and make no mistake about what I'm saying. Make no mistake about it because I know what I'm saying and I know what I need from you. I know what my expectations are and I need you to hear that very clearly. So that that's what I'm saying. Don't we don't need to lose who we are, you know? Um, but we, de depending on who the receiver of the message is, mm -hmm. you want to be cognizant of that. But I, I feel sometimes too, that that also is a result or a, um, um, the right word that I'm looking for. What I'm trying to say is I feel like we're feeding into the white supremacy culture. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. The very thing that, that we're hoping that we're going mm -hmm. to change. I don't even like using the word dismantle. When we first went into this training, I heard that word all through the training, dismantle, dismantle, dismantle. And I even then was saying, I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm weary of that word. I don't know if, and I could be wrong, and I hope I am. I don't know if we, and when I say we, I'm talking about marginalized people, actually, are we able to dismantle a system that has been in place for over 400 years? So no, as marginalized people, we are not. That's why we need co-conspirators, right? Okay, because this, yeah, dismantle seems to be a word that just seems like it's just not going. It's not our job. Yeah, it, that's a that's a much too heavy burden to place on us, right? Right. That's the work of the dominant culture that has been oppressing us for this long, and those co-conspirators, those allies, former allies who become co-conspirators. Um, that's their work, right? But I want to read, so I want to share something um, please, with you. Please do, um, yes. To, in, uh, in response to um, the question about um, um, losing ourselves mm -hmm. as African-American or Black women. Um, one of our goals as co-conspirators was, <laughs> um, one of their goals was to equip and prepare the members, us, us yeah. to engage in the necessary self-reflective work to apply the concepts of racial justice in education, they say, and mm -hmm. to their everyday lived experiences. Right. Right? Mm -hmm. So we have work to do. Right? Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. I, I am who I am. And yeah. I am I, I, my sassiness hasn't gone anywhere, yeah. but it does. I, it doesn't need to be in the boardroom. Oh in, no, I, I, I understand. Meeting. I understand that part in oh, the yeah. superintendent's office. Right? Oh, I, I understand right. that part. I understand right. that part absolutely. And that, and that's not just for for black women. That's for all people who are who are 
in in that corporate world, in that world yeah. in which they want to have a seat at the table with with you know um, that institution. Mm-hmm. But that well, I, I just wanted to make sure that um, we're also clear uh, about who was included in this uh, transformational journey. And um, the, the, um, our cohort uh, consisted of white individuals, native people, Asian, of course, black African-Americans, Latino, Latina, Latinx, Middle Eastern and North African, multiracial and Pacific Islander members individuals from all of those uh, ethnic groups yes yes racial groups mm-hmm. were a part of our journey and and that's what made it so powerful that yeah. is because the learning we never stop learning um and i call myself a lifelong learner i, oh, I, do, me too. I can go back to school right now <laughs> and work on another degree but um this was such an educational experience um that and we learned every time we came together i i have to say that i learned something new about another group about another person about something that i needed to work on on myself yeah, I have some amazing people, some amazing people. And and I am friends with um, individuals to this day because of that um, yes. journey. And what I love about it is, like you said, it's not only individuals who look like me. Yes. So how do we, as um, co-conspirators, <laughs> how do we continue to work outside of the training? Well, one of the things is um, we have to um, recognize um, racial and social inequity when we see it and call it out. Um, that puts a target on your back. Yes. I, I spoke about that earlier. Absolutely. Yeah. Things change when, Absolutely. You, when you become vocal when yes. you when you call it out however so how do we encourage individuals? how do we encourage I, individuals to do that because there is something that changes when you become that person who no longer tolerates the injustice and you call out injustice everywhere not just in the educational system but everywhere we, yeah but that word that the key word is educate we educate people who are willing. We start there. That's where we start. We start with the curious. What is this about? Can you tell me more about that? Um, how can I become a part of that? Um, and yeah. we start with the people who are interested. I can't go out seven degrees or six degrees and try to bring that person in to this circle, mm-hmm. this small circle. Yeah. Right. Um, That person out there may be curious six degrees away, may be curious, but not ready to come in and Mm -hmm. do the work. And we had that experience in our cohort. Yes. Yes. That's true. We had some people who started with us who perhaps just weren't ready for the journey. Yes. Weren't ready to open themselves up fully for the learning and the transformation. 
Um, yeah. And that's okay. That's yeah. okay. Some of those individuals may come back and try it again with the next cohort, but they just weren't ready this time. So yeah. that's where we start. We start with people who are um, interested, want to do the work, may not have the tools, but are willing to learn. That is a good start. I, I agree. That is a very good start. I, I'm still working on myself even now. I'm still reading. I'm still reading the books. I'm still educating myself. I'm still yes. trying to um, talk to people. One of the goals that we had was to um, really get ourselves out there and, and outside of our comfort zone. Yes. To try to meet and talk with individuals who are not like us, um, who are different. And always, it doesn't even have yeah. to be a color line, but who's sure. just different. Because Gay, lesbian, bisexual, yes. uh, sexual orientation, all of that was that we addressed all of those areas of um, difference and, and looked at what our similarities are. And that's yeah. where you stop. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, but how has that been working for you? For me, I've been still meeting a lot of amazing people. Because I haven't been afraid to reach out and say hello to someone who I never would have said hello to before, mm -hmm. or to just simply like through these podcasts and invite people to come and have a candid conversation with me. <laughs> um, so this has been a this has been a great um, opportunity for me to be able to come outside of my own comfort zone, so that I yeah. can meet people who are different from me in all walks of life. Yes. Again, not just a color line, but all walks of life. And and we can't do that without taking some risk, right? Yes. Um, for example, um, I believe it'll be this coming Thursday. I'm scheduled to meet with a, a woman from my church who I had no idea that she had gone through a um, diversity. Um, she got her master's degree in diversity and equity. Um, and she's, she's white. Mm -hmm. Um, but we're getting together to, um, talk about things that, um, perhaps need to change in our church or people may need to be more made more aware of in our church so the work continues so um i'm going to say what the uh share action goals right okay, yeah uh -huh. um, action goals are to engage and activate individuals leaders and stakeholders in on the ground efforts to combat systemic racism and inequity and to advance racial justice to support external organizing efforts to advance changes in our schools and communities. And finally, lastly, to support internal opportunities to implement equity practices that positively impact our work as a, a national organization and also to promote cultural change or culture change. So that's what our work is. Our work continues and it goes out beyond the walls of the, the school. I know you're still working in a yes. public school. Yes, I am. Um, our work goes out beyond the walls of the schools that we work in, yeah. beyond the school district. You mentioned that I'm retired. Um, I, I have continued to do speech language pathology um, with a, one school uh, district that I worked in. 
uh, last school year, um, there were three black people that the children at that school district, um, at least the ones in, in the uh, that I was working with, had seen. Right, one was a little girl um, uh, with multiple disabilities. Another was myself, and a third was um, um, a, a teaching assistant, an aide that I had. And it was very interesting. The kids looked at me, and and I'm I'm brown skin. I'm quite melanated. Um, they thought nothing up. They they their um, friend um, who had disabilities. They looked at her skin color. They thought nothing of it. But the young lady who was the educational assistant. Um, a few of several of the kids wanted to know why her skin was brown. Why? And they asked, because they're children. No. And that's not who they see on a daily basis. But they saw you, you said, and they didn't ask the question. They saw me and they did not, they saw me in a particular role, I think. They saw me as this person that works with them and helps them do whatever, whatever, which she did too. Um, now, anything beyond that, I don't have an answer to the why. Hmm. Right? I'm but, That's interesting. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so, but I say that to say that the work starts at the, the level of those little kindergartners and first graders that I was working with in that school district, um, teaching them that we are all the same. Yeah. Okay. Everything but the, the color of our skin is exactly the same. Okay. And it definitely needs to be taught on a foundational level um, um, as young as possible. But, yeah. but you know there's pushback, too. From, oh, sure. Yeah. You can't really, sure. you can't really teach that. Um, well, you can. I mean, you, I mean, come on, you know, there's been pushback. We've had some, some sort of uh, fear. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And but the back. minute I stopped talking um, to uh, children and adults about uh, how much the same we are, Mm -hmm. um, below the surface level of our skin color, the minute I I need to stop. I just need to stop teaching, stop interacting because that's my job. <laughs> that's my role, and that needs to be all of our roles. And we we, um, we do this work in a loving way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We we do it with love and we do it with respect. Yeah. And we do it understanding that everybody has not gone through a transformational journey, such yeah. as the one that you and I went through. True. And and so um, we we have gentle um, reminders and okay. we gently encourage. Okay. And we also um, congratulate and reward and um, thank people for um making the effort to join us in this work. Okay. And that's a good segue into 
you sharing with our listening audience how they can join us in this work. How can they too be a co-conspirator and have their own transformational journey into social and racial justice? So in my view, you really need to work with people who have the experience and expertise of the individuals that we work with. I mean, you and I can work together to take a group of people through this training, um, but I don't necessarily believe that you can do all of this work on your own. Oh, okay. So you do believe that that there's a training that needs to be involved. That Absolutely. You, okay. So like ordinary people just can't decide that they want to, you know, transform their lives and be on the right side of social and racial justice and, and, and just do the work. I mean, they can, where would they go for training? How, how would we even be able to lead them in the right direction where they can go and get trained? For so let me, let me just say this. A person can decide that they want to do this work. Mm -hmm. A person needs the education and training and, and to do it, right? Just okay. like we did. Oh, yeah. Right? No, I, I thought I was well versed. I thought I was well versed too until I realized, oh my gosh, no. I learned, I learned some things in those, so much more. in those workshops, but also too. I learned some things that I didn't even know I was going to learn. And we, exactly. we didn't talk uh, a little bit about it, but I learned about anti-blackness and I, I didn't even know that that was a thing. Oh, I knew it was a thing. No, oh, and, yeah. uh, uh, let me rephrase myself. Okay. Anti-blackness obviously is a thing, but I didn't know it was a thing for us. I didn't know we as black people could be anti-black. I did absolutely. Oh, okay, that's that's what I'm colorism, saying. Colorism, <laughs> colorism. Um, I will give you an example, but let me just finish with the uh, the training. Um, because we we you and I have both done it. Yeah, I, I know how. I I Google the heck out of co-conspirator, anti-racist, yeah, racism, um, white colorism, supremacy, colorism, yes. Uh, Yes, absolutely. Yes. And I have I per, I have um been a um um a part of various book studies. Um, yeah. one through my church, um, where I was one of the moderators, um and um one through a women's group and um one through our uh racial and social justice committee where we are selecting um, books to read as a group, to okay. process that information as a group, okay? So that's what I mean by oh, not okay. doing it alone. So if a, if a group wanted to get themselves involved in this, are there any books that you recommend for them to get started with? I can send you a list. <laughs> I'm just- <laughs> there, there are so many. I, here, I, I actually I can pull up a, 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 a ooh, I can pull up a list of books. Just throw, just throw out a couple. <laughs> just throw out a couple oh. that that might be able to. Um, um, I first of all, I do have. A, I did read a couple of books. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, that actually opened my eyes to a lot of things. Um. 
But again, it's it's a lot. It's a lot to digest. It's a lot to wrap your mind around. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm I, I'm trying to get it quickly, but I'm no, that's I'm yeah, that's quickly, fine. But I do want to respond to that question. I don't know um that um if your listeners are going to, you know, grab a pen and start writing down books. Well, but uh I'll, put a, I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll put a couple of book suggestions in the in the comments field. Okay. For sure. That is the way to go. Um one of the book that um the one book study that I'm doing um is reading right now is Killers of the Flower Moon by David Grant. Oh, I heard um, of them. There's a book called Brown Girl Dreaming by Jacqueline Woodson. Um, Viola Davis has a nice book called Finding Me. I read that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I know. I, I read White Fragility. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I read How to Be an Anti-Racist. Right. That was one of the books that we had, um, uh, at least our leaders had mixed yeah. reviews on in terms of um, um, what they, they um, preferred the book stamped by the oh, same stamped, author. Yeah, stamped, yeah. Right. I, did, uh-huh. I read that one as well. Yeah. Right. They That was the book that they preferred. Um, but there are tons of books that we could put on a book list. Actually, I have a book list that probably has a few hundred books, um, videos, uh, podcasts, yeah. audio, all it, 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 yeah. And it's my go-to um, for sharing whenever yeah. I need to share. So I, I guess the bottom line is if you're interested in doing this work, um, reach out to um, who? I wanted to say reach out to, and then nothing comes to mind. Who do you reach? I'm like, who do you reach out to? For me, it's easy because I, you know, I'm I'm getting this this training and this um getting be to able to do this work through the school system. But I'm gonna be honest with you, if I was not involved with um the New Jersey school system, I don't mm-hmm. know, I don't know if I would have ever embarked on something like the training we had. And I wouldn't even know where to begin because it's not like you ain't you you you're trying to do this in your everyday life on an everyday basis. You don't think about it, but we are trying to do that. We're trying to live that, you know. Yes. But there is not any real place where you can go and say, "Hey, um, I I want to take some training to, to help mm-hmm. me be a." anti-racist. I, I don't know how that begins, you know? Well, there there are many diversity workshops and, and most of the professions. I, I, I take almost everything there is about um, diversity, equity, um, inclusion uh, for my professions. And I, I actually have three licenses that I have to maintain. Um, and in, if, any, if you are in a professional organization, there are always trainings that are offered in this area. 
Um, if you are um, at just somebody who is interested, there are um, podcasts. Type in the words racial justice, social justice. Yeah, that's a good um, idea. Yeah. Uh, equity, racial equity, yeah. mm -hmm. uh, equity and inclusion. Any of those buzzwords will lead yeah. you to books like the 1619 Project, right? Yes, yes, um, yes. The book uh, Cast, Cast uh, by yes. Isabel Wilkerson. Yes, I just saw that movie Origin. Oh, did you? I, I was going to bring did. that up. I, you could bring it up because I saw it. It was it was it was great. So well put together. I'm going to give it my whole five stars. Okay. <laughs> okay. I really enjoyed. Now I have the book. I okay. Have, so yes. yeah, I have not read it yet, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. I've had it for a whole entire year. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But I is I didn't even crack it open to even start. No, that's a lie. I did crack it open to start reading and I got as far as like the second chapter. Then I put it down and I didn't pick it up again, but I, it, it sparked my interest to pick it up again when I saw the movie origin. Okay. Yes. For yes. sure. Yeah. It was such a well put together. I heard movie. that it was very well done. Yes. Uh, I actually saw the um, two lead um, women um, interviewed. So if you have not seen it, go see it. I definitely will. Absolutely. Definitely go and, see it. And, you know, um, let me just say that in terms of reading, let's just go back to some of those uh, age, the, the, the books that we read uh, in our teens and early college days. Uh, uh, James Baldwin, what was it called? Another Country. And uh, Richard Wright's um, Black Boy. Um, go yeah. back and read those books because mm -hmm. that's where it started. Um, there was a, a woman who I just <laughs> learned about, was it today or yesterday, um, who I'm going to pull her up. Amazing work. Um, one of the first women to get a, a doctorate in, at, um, she went to college in, in Iowa of all places, but um, some amazing work. And I do want, I'm gonna um, put her name out here also as an author that we probably will want to um, look at. What's her name? Let me, I'm gonna get it. Oh, you're, you're looking up the name? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, so her name is Margaret Walker. Okay. And she was born in uh, 1915 in Birmingham, Alabama. Um, she was a poet, um, but she has written uh, numerous books and um, books of poetry and um, biographies and otherwise. Amazing. Okay. Her story is amazing. Um, receiving her bachelor's degree in 1935 from Northwestern University and her master's degree in, get this, 1940 from the University of Iowa. Amazing. And then um, years later, she went back to school and she received her doctorate in 1965, again, from the University of Iowa. 
So this woman is a trailblazer. Okay. Yeah. And so for this Black History Month, we are definitely uh, talking about um, individuals who have made a quite a bit of a difference. And yes. so thank you for sharing that moment. My pleasure. Certainly. So I want to thank you for having this conversation with me. I know it, I know it seems like, okay, so what are we talking about? But we're, we, we hit on a whole lot today and, and we put a lot of stuff out there in the atmosphere. And if, if this, if there's nothing else, what we did was at least open up a door for an understanding of social and racial justice. And what the appetite of yes. individuals who may not um, necessarily have been in tune to some of the things that we talked about. Exactly. But at least we opened up a door that I would like to have more um, conversations like this with um, individuals who are brave enough to to talk about it because it's still the elephant in the room. Yes, absolutely. And we try not to talk about it. I have several other podcasts where I talk about other things, you yes. know. Um, but I, I do want to keep space, which is why I love this particular podcast, because it is the podcast that started it all. It's just simple, candid conversation with individual, ordinary people with yes. things to say. And, and I, I want to, I want to make sure that this particular branch of, of topics that I have in these, in this podcast network, um, does not go unnoticed because I wanted yes. to do a, a range of individuals yes. with, with things that's on their minds. I want to talk about the things that nobody wants to talk about. Yes. Talk about the uncomfortable conversations. Yes. But talk about them because the only way that they're going to come into existence is if we put it out there so we can yes. in existence. So thank you, um, Dr. Ward. Um, gravely for having this conversation with me. And I really hope to be able to talk to you again, to have you on so that we can um, talk about your progress as a co-conspirator. And um, maybe I'll even see you again. At, I hope so. At, at RA. Are you going to be RA? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know yet. That's a little down the road, but I will be in Chicago yeah. um, next month. Um, I won't. I, yeah, I won't. Yeah, conference. I won't. I won't be there. I have to pick my conferences um, gingerly. Sure. Yes, of course. Because mm -hmm. now I'm no longer part of the the. the <laughs> Nobody's paying. I know. So now I, gotta <laughs> come, I have to come out of pocket, so I have to pick. Right. I have to pick these conferences um, very gingerly, and I already have right. mine that I want to go to. But right. um, well, I also wanted to um, just throw this out to you. We, we touched on it a couple of times, and perhaps at some point you will um, consider having a, a, a conversation about the angry Black woman. <laughs> and, you know, um, I would love to have a conversation about the angry Black woman, and I would like to have uh, a couple of Black women on this the panel, on mm -hmm. the panel, who has had that experience. I know I have dealt with that experience, especially in the school system. And especially being in, like I said, in a predominantly white school, um, I am totally, totally ready to have that conversation because yes. it's another elephant that's in the room. Mm -hmm. And frankly, 
I, I, we need to break it down. Yeah. It, break it yeah. down. Dismantle. Now that we that, need that, But that only we as black women can dismantle. Absolutely. And that's the reason why I would love to have that conversation. So I'm going to put that... I'm actually gonna make that happen. I'm gonna get I'm gonna get a panel of women together who has experienced that because it is important for us to talk about that. Yes. We've been, like you said, we've been skirting around it for a while now. And I've said it a couple of times. I have had relationships that have been torn apart because of it. And so it is time now to bring bring out a discussion. So thank you for bringing that up. Certainly. Thank Absolutely. you. And we're going to make that happen. So you've been listening to Real Talk with Real People, a candid conversation with um, Dr. Caroline Thea Jones. I am your host. My guest tonight was Dr. Valenta Ward-Gravely. Um, I'm grateful that she came out tonight to have this conversation with me. And I hope you find some of the things that we said useful. If you would like to be a guest on this show, perhaps be in attendance to have that conversation about the angry black woman, please send me an email at rtrpcandidconversations at gmail.com and I will put you on my list. In the meantime, have a beautiful, beautiful evening and I will talk to you again next time.